Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Podcast. I'm joined by Aaron Schneider of Kefaro International and Kefaro Cast Podcast. Aaron, thanks for joining me this morning, nice and early. Oh yeah, no, no problem at all. And uh, yeah, luckily I get up super early, so mm-hmm. this is actually late at this point. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Uh, I I love my mornings and getting things rolling. I I love it. Uh, it's been a little more challenging lately with a one-year-old to be able to uh, have that time to myself. I would love to spend that time with my one-year-old, but sometimes I just want to do my work in the, in the early mornings and and uh, go out and shoot my bow and just do those those morning things I like to do. So it's tough to darn little kids messing that up. But I'm I'm old. I've got a my daughter's 21. So yeah, I um. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't ever want to wish the time away, uh, because I, I, I told my five year old, it's like, you're never gonna be this cute again when he's one. <laughs> you're, uh, I, I love this, I love the time, but I just can't wait for what's next and the adventures that are coming. And again, I don't want to wish that time away because, because uh, they're really fun. They're just. They're tough. They're they, on time. They're tough on that, and and uh, I know later there will be other other challenges. But I, I love uh, love raising some boys. They're they're a great time. But uh, yeah. So I am kind of curious on a couple things. Uh, you guys uh, moved Kafaru out to Wyoming. How's Wyoming treating you? Good, really good. I wish we would have you know moved here earlier, but. You know, it's uh, much more, you know, kind of hand in hand with our views and values. And uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, it's been great. Yeah, I I support that move for sure. I was a col- in Colorado for for nine years in there for a little while, and just two years, three years ago, moved moved out and to back to South Dakota. And man, I love South Dakota. My definitely my views line up quite a bit better as well um i'm not running a big big organize uh company but but i i do love these free states that have free thinking and and uh sent an email to our governor yesterday it's like man i'd love to get her on so bad that would be awesome she just killed a big bear in in canada and i don't think colorado's governor has killed a bear or will kill a bear or condone killing bears so um, haven't looked back to, to Colorado, uh, other than going to shoot their animals every once in a while. 
Yeah, yeah, your governor is a stud. She's awesome. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's way more man than Polis ever, ever is or ever will be. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, she's she's pretty awesome. And and the good thing about Wyoming for you is is Wyoming treats residents pretty well. I mean, just drawing tags uh, seems to be in residents' favor as it always should be. I mean, there's there should be a lot of a lot of opportunity for residents, but should be pretty. Uh, um, pretty good move there for, for some awesome hunting and, and a little concerned about what some of this feature hunting looks like. But, uh, before we get into any of that, I ran into you picking up a doe tag in South Dakota for a Halloween hunt. I need to hear about that. I would, I was really curious what you were, what you're up to. What is that hunt? Um, man, that, that's, uh, something Ryan Rotier does where, um, we all dress up in in costumes and uh uh yeah and, and go on a doe hunt and so uh yeah that was interesting i was the cookie monster um i think rotier was a cow um uh no he was a panda maybe anyway yeah there's <laughs> you know five or six of us and uh it's pretty kind of a cool thing you invited me to it's kind of very tight-knit group that gets to go on the the <laughs> south dakota doe hunt but yeah there's a small amount of drinking involved in the uh, costumes and uh and, and hunting so yeah. um yeah it was uh it was fun do you any kind of competition in that or is that a who can fill a dough biggest dough or just like we're just going and having a good time and shooting dough yeah just going yeah i mean there's kind of a competition mostly just you know crap talking but um yeah no it's it's good uh and uh you know i i the guy i sat with i was more you know obviously he i don't think he had he was new to uh archery a little bit so i wasn't i don't know that he had actually had shot a, a doe with his bow yet he may have but um you know i let him uh i say let whatever he was up to shoot so it was just it was fun watching that happen he he did end up getting a, a doe so that was good and uh i was helping uh wrote here with his elk hunt as well so that was good he he had drawn an elk tag so oh sure you know how many points he had i don't know how all that work i'm not sure uh, I, I do know he shot like a 380 bull which was cool so oh my gosh in, in south dakota was that a prairie bull or a hills bull uh, i guess it'd be a hills bull oh my gosh they don't <laughs> they don't get much bigger than 380 in the hills like we have stud bulls we have absolutely stud bulls but that 380 is is that's a benchmark <laughs> that is a that is a stud of a bull yeah and it takes about it's on average in in the hills uh 17 years is what it takes to to draw this this tag so um i hear i haven't done it because uh, I moved away and lost all my points, I'm starting back over again, which is great. Um, I hear our elk are easier to to hunt and call in. Is that kind of what you saw, or? Um... Yeah, they're not. I mean, they see, just don't seem to be quite as pressured. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I I can't say that like firsthand or whatever. But they they you know with like years of experience, but. You know, from what I saw from the limited time I was up there, just just not as pressured. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what what's on uh, your list for this this fall? I know applications are still rolling and everything like that, but we we're 
I'm sure you're planning your over-the-counter, your general, your easy-to-draw stuff. What's what's on the list? So I actually, you know, with, with what I've got going on, everything starts so early. You know, we, we plan this everything out several months in advance. So, you know, when I say that, meaning like, oh, I, I, from June, or excuse me, July 30th to beginning of September, I'm going to be <clears throat> helping out on some stone sheep and mountain goat hunts up in uh, BC. And then I'm going to go on a mountain goat hunt myself. And then I uh, come back down and do a, um, oh, I'm going to do a, like a high country mule deer hunt. <clears throat> and then I go to uh, elk hunting in Colorado pretty much right after that. And then I go back up to on a moose hunt. And then I'm doing uh kind of a backpack in um, elk mule deer hunt in British Columbia and then uh, come back down and I do uh, that South Dakota hunt. Um, man, I'm missing some stuff in the middle there. And then uh, I'm going to, I can't remember everything right now. And then uh, I do whitetail, some whitetail hunts. And then I got a couple sheep clients for outdad sheep. Yeah, I'm missing a few in there, man. I probably should have had that written down. No. Sorry, but yeah, it's pretty pretty busy. No, but you know, to, truthfully though, I, I'm not doing a ton of OTC uh, stuff this year, and usually that's an an OTC elk is what I'm. You know, that's kind of my normal. If I do anything, OTC elk is one of them. Um, there's not really over the counter mule deer in Colorado. Right. Um, you know, just say that you know it's all draw. Um, so, but yeah, the, the elk is kind of the, the main one. And I, I, I haven't hunted OTC elk in three years, maybe four, just cause I was able to get a landowner tag, which has been, been pretty excited about. That is definitely something that makes me happy. OTC is definitely rough against what I obviously started on and it's, uh, it's rough going at times. So, yeah. What do you, do you think it's done in the next year or two? Uh, I hope so. Uh, I yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope so. Yeah. I, I, you know, people before when I would, they would, I would say things like, I, um, you know, uh, I hope it goes away. And they're like, well, that's because you're a resident. And it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not a resident now. And I still hope it goes away. Um, you got to, you know, a certain point in time, think about what's best for the animal, not what's best for, for you. So, right. And, I'm sure my listeners are tired of me bringing this up, but I think I got a lot of anxiety on it. <laughs> Honestly, is the uh, loss of the Grand Mesa? There's five units there for uh, on OTC. So you cut, they cut the whole Southwest region, all those OTC. Then they cut the Grand Mesa, which is five units. So where's everybody in uh, Grand Junction going to go and set up on the Grand Mesa? Well, they're just going to go to the next unit because they didn't think ahead enough to apply and now it's just going to have increasingly number of crowding of people is my is my estimate but it's kind of got me nervous i i i'm taking my dad and uh we've got limited number of years left to be able to do some over-the-counter hunting or it doesn't have to be over-the-counter but to do some archery elk hunting and this has just been something i know and i'm comfortable with so i'm a little nervous for sure. Just with that, that crowding, I don't know what's going to happen and I need plan a through probably Z. Yeah. Well, and I think that, um, on, on some of this, like, I don't, I'm not saying I don't 
you know, ever want, uh, I, I still want opportunities for people. Oh, obviously. sure. I just, sure. I want, you know, Chris Rowe and I've talked about this and, and Mike Duplan and I, you know, several other people is I'm remembering the good old days and my good old days were much different than a newer crowd that has come to accept or, or what they're, they, they know is a high amount of pressure and a very low chance of getting an elk where I remember, you know, the good old days where I'm into elk quite a bit, you know, on an OTC tag, I've got a high probability of shooting a elk, you know, and so for me, I'm like, why would you even want to go OTC, right. you know, now on a high risk, meaning, you know, it's, it's a lot of money is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. so, but yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah, you you want to go hunting, right? That's what you're, you know, that's excites everyone. And I, I mean, I get that it's, it is just for me, like, man, I, I really like to see people get into animals, right. You know, and, and it's, it's, uh, the chances of that happening are not great right now. So. Yeah. And it, it would be another story had my dad had any preference points. Um, if my areas that I know and want to go to and I've had success for in the past were not in those over-the-counter units. Um, and in the future, maybe that it's going to work out to go back to those spots. But this is probably the last year for me, uh, I'm sure, on that over-the-counter and then then trying to just rotate from Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, and <laughs> just trying to yeah. do a rotation. And 20 years down the road, I'll hunt my own state. <laughs> but yeah, it's not an opportunity state for that. It's a, it's a, I mean, we only have seven, 8,000 elk. I mean, that's all we have. So it's not, people complain all the time about how they feel entitled. They should be getting a tag, getting a tag. It's like, well, we only have seven to 8,000. You want to go hunt, hunt elk? Colorado's got over 200,000. <laughs> and Wyoming has way more than we have. Montana has way more than we have. We have, I mean, you have to go to those other states, go hunt elk. Um, but I don't, I, I, do you normally hunt uh, Canada this much or is this something that's. I that, did before COVID. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I forget, you know, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I go on. I wanted to hear. Um, before COVID, you you had hunted the uh, Canada, but so I, you know, been in poverty the majority of my life. And when I say poverty, like most, you know, paycheck to paycheck, not saving as much as I probably should, and having a hunting addiction. And then, mm-hmm. oh, in 2016, I started to make a little bit more money, and um, I went on a hunt up there for mule deer, and then I I you know, have had, I've helped out up there and have friends up there. And so, um, you know, I was able to shoot a, a caribou in the NWT, um, while ago. anyway, was able to kind of here and there do some hunts where I could afford them. And so now I have a lot of friends up there that, um, I just help out and we just hang out and go hunting. And so, you know, I'm not having to, to pay, a lot to to go and so you know i mean when with everything there's a lot of it's a lot it's pretty busy down here in different spots and so if i can now you know with with whatever time i have to go hunting i'm you know choosing my best option to have a great hunt be successful great people around me and in a great adventure so when i say that i've had people ask me 
you know, before about like South Dakota, I have a friend up there. I'll help him out guiding. We hunt together. Well, he's got a lot of land like, oh, you should go on public land to, to prove people you can get it done. And I'm like, well, I've hunted public land for 20 years. I'm definitely not going to do that. Um, to prove a point, you know what I mean? Like right. for me, it's just about having fun and, and I'm not trying to, I don't, I mean, I don't want that to come across wrong. I mean, I, I hunted, I mean, I'd cut my teeth hunting public land elk and, and uh, mule deer and everything else to where now, if I've got a choice, I mean, private land is just, it's just a funner time for the most part, not always. And so whether it's in Canada on public land, but way in the middle of nowhere on horseback or get flown in or, uh, down here where I get horseback in or backpack in, I just want to get away from people. <laughs> that's, that's a great plan. And, and you're not coming off in any, any whatever weird way. Cause if you think about it, why are we hunting? We hunt for our adventure. We hunt for our connection to the, to nature. We connect and at nowhere in that reason or, or answer to the question of why do we hunt? Is there, I need to prove to somebody anything. I mean, that's not, it shouldn't really be in your, your repertoire of, or answer of why do we hunt that I need to go out and find the hardest, most difficult, uh, nobody's going to be able to believe this kind of, <laughs> I gotta, um, deal with the other people. It's like that ruins a hunt for me of, uh, just having to hunt the animal, but yet deal with the other people. I would just rather hunt the animal and not have to have those other hunters that kind of push, push things around. And I was like, I got to play the other hunters as well. That's that sucks it out of it for me. And this is the, you know, trying to explain this to anybody listening in is this is what we're talking about with limiting, um, the amount of tags or, or public land OTC options is, to get it back to where people are excited to go that have been hunting OTC for a long time. Cause in some ways people are like, Oh, you know, you're getting, uh, you're getting lazy or you're getting, you know, whatever, which I get, I totally understand that. Um, it's really more of a matter of like, you know, um, I swung a hammer for 10 years and now they have a, you know, they have a nail gun with a compressor <laughs> yep. and, uh, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. And so, but it, you know, when I say not a great analogy, but it's like, okay, if public land hunting got to be where you're having more, uh, encounters with animals, you're having more of that going on, you know, less, l- less of the negative side of it. Then it's like, well, of course you're going to go hunt public land. It's just now there's far more negatives than positives in, in, in some areas with the pressure and people get like, you know, and I'm part of the the problem right i've i've promoted public land hunting to a point now where it's so blown out that i feel bad for people i mean it's expensive right i mean you know if you you're gonna if you're gonna go drop some you know thousand bucks on the well let's say five to seven hundred on the tag um you know spend whatever amount of money it is right quite a bit and then a traveling and then there people are like so what are my chances of success and i'm like man three percent maybe you know maybe a little more maybe a little less depending upon how good of a hunter you are or what's going on man it, that's just a lot of money and i feel i feel i do feel bad for people when they go knowing me knowing personally there's not a high probability they're gonna 
you're going to get anything. Right. Or just be around, find elk. So you have so many people that, that, uh, you know, that saved up or they're making their big trip West and they're excited about it. And they didn't see an elk or <laughs> getting, getting within bow range or rifle range is one thing, but, but, uh, um, if you're in elk, seeing elk the whole time, that's that's a great experience. Uh, that's been my dad and I a couple of times, and we've we've been real close. We we've, we've gotten one together when I've hunted with him, and that's been awesome. We have, we've had amazing elk hunts, uh, but the uh, ceiling to deal thing is that is that it, additional, just down to that one to ten percent, I guess, from for sure. But um, I'm blabbering. So let me ask this question. Um, I applied for Montana, uh, just general tag. I'm honestly really glad I didn't draw it because it was just the deer tag. I think the better option is going with the combo deer and elk financially too. It makes more sense than dropping $700 on one deer tag. My gosh, the, um, but the elk and deer combo, I think is like 12 and, that was 1% harder to draw this year than last year. Or I should say, last year was like 54%. No, I don't know. Whatever it is. It was like a 1% chance difference uh, last year than it was the year before. And probably this year it's going to show it's 1% uh, harder to draw. What is the future of this Western hunting, in your opinion, for my kid uh, when he's, I mean, I got a five-year-old right now in 20, 30 years, what do you envision this West Western hunting opportunity to be like? What do you, if you looked out that far down the road, what do you, what do you think's going to happen? And how, how is, how are things going to be so different? Cause it has to be, we're doing leaps and bounds different all the time with uh, legislation and adding wolves and bi- bucket biology and all the garbage. So, um, I think about my kid's future and I want to want he's they're excited or I don't know about the one-year-old but the five-year-old's excited he he wants to go hunting all the time with me but um I'm I'm nervous for that what do you think's gonna happen what's that gonna look like uh well I I think with humans in general no, no change is ever made early right it's always at the the precipice right it's it's uh you know you you health issues Right. You don't diet until, you know, you've you've had a heart attack or whatever your blood mm-hmm. pressure is extremely high or and it's uh same thing it seems like with, with some of the stuff we're talking about right now. Um that once we when we're at the precipice, hard decisions are made. So and when I say hard decisions, should be easy decisions if you take uh personal your uh you take emotion out of it, I guess. It's an easy decision. So you look at shed hunting, right? It was a really rough winter in a few different states and they tried to, you know, slow down shed hunting. And there's this huge outcry about, you know, oh my God, it's my right to shed hunt. I'm like, okay, well, it's your privilege. It's not your right. And, and I'm not, I don't dislike shed hunting, right? I've, I've shed hunted before, but it's like at some point in time say, okay, what is it? Is it, is it going to you know benefit the, like this year I didn't turkey or bear uh, the bear hunts I gave to, I had some bear hunts planned I gave to my employees, but the turkey hunts, the turkey numbers are pretty low in a lot of areas I hunt, so I just not going to hunt turkeys. Personal mm-hmm. choice. Is shed hunting going to affect 
um, the animals. If one person, me, if I go shed hunting, no, pro- probably not. Well, you always have bad apples in the group, and you know some people run them with four wheelers. I mean, as a whole, it's it's easier to just make that hard decision of hey, we need to hold off on shed hunting or we need to close it down this year. It's not that big of a deal, really. I mean, it's a shed, right? It's it's just some right. shit that falls on the ground off the deer elk's head. So, same thing with OTC. Like, think about what would have happened, um, you know, if if numbers were cut down quite some time ago or a different process was was made 10 years ago or 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 more and i think that we're getting to a point at the precipice again that there could be great opportunities for your kids in 10 15 20 years um if hunting is still available now with what you're asking what you're worried about who knows right if we can let's say we can fix the infighting and and the inner circle gets fixed there's the outer circle that could take it away staying away from the outer circle right let's just hope it's here that inner circle problems of the infighting and you know screw you i want to go hunting whether i get one or not and you know shit like that so i think we're getting to a point now where a lot of people are starting to realize that okay something has to be done we've got to cut some numbers here um and there maybe you know whatever the over-the-counter thing um that the the hunting should be getting better and better and it is a very sticky situation because you have matt ranella is a guy that i did a podcast with him where he is you're really going you know ape shit on on you know guys like me promoting you know hunting and over pressure mm-hmm. that, you know there's something to be said for that i mean some of what matt says i agree with and and the thing is is it's like okay well you know, if there's overpressure, you know, there's also remedies to that, right? We we control that this state controls how many tags are given away, you know, things like that to where you can't just say, well, my, my hunting's getting screwed up and people like you suck and I want to, and, and I want, you know, I want to hide it. You're not going to hide hunting, right? You're not going to hide it. You're not going to be able to make it go away. So let's step out of la la land and back into the real world and focus on what the problem is and realistic solutions to that problem. Meaning I want people to keep promoting hunting. I want people to be excited and work out and get it, do a, be on a better diet and be, become a better archer or, or, you know, a rifle hunter, whatever. But then, you know, I want them to be successful once they get in the field and we are able to, I mean, if we, if we want to, and, and the States want to, limit the amount of tags for people to hunt you may not to get to hunt everything every year but man when you do get to go on hunt it's going to be a lot better than maybe what you've been facing and i'm rambling now but i hopefully i made my my point to a certain degree no you did for sure uh there's i had an interview with uh the communications department with cpw recently and i got i'm going to do one on their wolf management plan here which would be great time um they uh said it'll be the most comprehensive thing they've done yet to explain their uh the 253 pages of that that thing uh and um one of the episodes i did i chatted with them about um the sheds hunting stuff and they they talked about the sacrifice too that that you just mentioned the sacrifice of okay if it's not going to work right now then don't do it if it doesn't make sense right now what's good for wildlife don't do it so okay 
I, I, I guess I get that. I love to shed hunt. I really do. And that, that's a hard one to swallow of maybe don't go out. It was, I lived through the start of the shed season in Colorado and that was tough. That was really tough. But as I mature a little bit more, I, I understand that I can see the, uh, the need to just, okay, what's, what's good for wildlife? What, what needs to happen here? Um, and, and you see the same thing with, and you've hunted here. I'm sure maybe some of that's popped up in, in conversation around our archery deer and antelope tags, um, had been very easy to draw. This is the first year they're not going to be easy to draw. And I, and I see us now, we don't even have doe tags available in the Black Hills anymore. Um, that's a, I just looked at our application and saw that and I was like, oh, geez, <laughs> not allowing archery or rifle hunters to shoot does really in the Black Hills. Um, and, and so all those different changes that, uh, like you say, just don't, don't come quick and easy, but, uh, and then another, I just made like three notes <laughs> on your, on your comment, but, um, I I've been interested to, to hear what, what, uh, uh, Matt Ranella has to say here and there. And I disagree and he, you're right. He has some good points, but, um, my career is centered around R3. It's what I do. <laughs> and uh, without it, it uh, I, don't, I don't have a job. Um, but also, I, I want more people to be out in the field, just like you're saying. I, I totally agree with you. And, but when, when Matt brings up those, those points of uh, the overcrowdingness, it's, it's, it didn't really have a, an, an argument against that other than we need the support and we can dive into that. But, um, the, I, I like what you're t saying is, well then, yeah, you just don't get to hunt every thing. You, you don't need to go get eight, 10 deer tags across whatever state or even South Dakota. You can get a lot of tags. Um, some of those opportunities just aren't going to be there. You got to go mess around with something else. And, and, uh, I, I'm looking forward to doing that where I just pick, one a few here and there and really do them right instead of little opportunities all over the place picking up some some cool hunts the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history designed by john browning the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the u.s military from 1911 to 1985 while colt produced the original almost every major firearm company has produced its own version it's wildly revered for its reliability crisp trigger and is still a favorite for all types of shooters whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. MidwayUSA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Yeah, I mean, I don't... Um, and, and I think Matt was a little bit confused on um, maybe where I'm shooting most of my animals because he was all Twitter-pated about the amount of animals I shoot and it was impossible for me to eat you know, 400 pounds of 
of wild game a year, which is crazy to me because I eat a, easily a pound a day myself, like if not more. Um, yeah. So, you know, but a lot of those are like depredation doe tags and, and not in the Western states and more in the Midwest and, and where a biologist has come in and said the doe population is too high or their coal hunts or whatever. Um, where in the Western United States, for example, you know, you shoot three elk. Um, you know, that's going to be somewhere between, I don't know, 550 to, I mean, upwards of 900 pounds of, of wild game, you know, are you doing it for the gram or whatever? And I know for a fact, the guys, I know people that I know or have hunted with it, shoot two to three elk a year are definitely not doing it for the gram. Um, these are my friends or people that I know, and they were doing it far before, social they love to hunt and you know they they obviously feed their family with it and and so it's like okay are they really taking an opportunity away from someone by shooting that elk well if they're skillful enough to to do it they've obviously earned that they've earned that skill set they've earned that they you know they, they they deserve to to be able to shoot those elk to a certain degree and if it's all otc Yes, you're shooting an elk and you're taking it away from someone, obviously, if you're taking its life. But what's to say, again, that whole socialist, I brought up, you know, he's kind of socialist bow hunting or socialist hunting. So all of a sudden, okay, you can shoot one elk a year. That is what we're telling everyone. So, you you know, you can only hunt one state for one elk a year. That's all you get to hunt. That's an option, right? I mean, or each state manages themselves and, and it's harder to to get to hunt three different states for an elk. But, you know, my thing is if you keep just bringing up problems without realistic solutions. So, you know, I'm just going to yell at you. You cannot hunt three elk in a year. That's stupid. You're over harvesting. You're over whatever. It's like, well, okay, so what's what's the solution to that? We, 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 we're going to be like Nazis and just search people's social security number and eh, nope, you can't hunt Montana. You put in for Colorado. It's not right. that realistic. It's not a very realistic solution. Right. And I will argue up and down all day long, the not eating of that. I mean, yeah, you, you have 365 pounds of meat that at least that you consume, let's just say, um, at a pound a day. Uh, but look at the history of all hunter gatherers. Not everybody was hunters. I mean, you have, yep. you, sh I have get joy in sharing and I'm sure you do as well. Like the, I absolutely love sharing and my brothers are not big hunters anymore. Uh, I share with them. My, my dad doesn't get the opportunity to always get elk or some other things. So, I share with him and coworkers and friends and, and people that might not be as successful or, uh, don't hunt. I mean, that, that brings me joy that I get to, to bring them something and they're always so thankful. And, uh, so forget that idea. <laughs> There's people, you, you could create some, some hunting advocates without even creating more hunters by them realizing or knowing where this meat came from and that you shared it with them and they appreciate it and they like it. And, uh, maybe they support you more to go out and shoot some more elk, <laughs> shoot some more deer. 
So well, I just like I just had the glassing camp, Corbin and I, and and Mike Hearn and other friends, right? So there's twenty some people at my house, and so uh, you know we had barbecue from Bunks Barbecue for our main meal, and the rest of the time it was, you know, salami and bratwurst and and you know, for twenty people. So I'm sure I I smoked a hundred pounds of meat oh, yeah. in three days, if not more, because you know we were serving everyone specialty meats, pepperoni sticks, and things, you know, and we do that all the time. And so what's weird to me is if I went and bought the beef, no one cares. But if I actually put the money into the state, meaning nothing wrong with buying beef, you're helping cattle ranchers. But I mean, I'm, I've put in, I've, I've spent the money and, and supported the state or paid for my tag, eat at local restaurants and, you know, help the local economy or whatever. And, uh, you know, hunting. And then I've, help the outdoor community by pissing away money on a bunch of gear I don't need, right? I'm doing all of that. But if I just, and, I, and I, I'm a bad person in some people's eyes for shooting those animals, but if I go buy beef or chicken or fish, it's okay. That is very, very weird for me to wrap my head around. It's impossible for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I want to come back to another thing that keeps, keeps popping in my mind that what you said about stone sheep you're going to to hunt a stone sheep or you're going with somebody uh that that has a has a tag or or getting a tag uh neither um i so i i i'm going on a mountain goat hunt up uh in in northern bc and northwestern i guess and the guy i'm going with is a really good friend and and uh he was cool enough to I'm going to help him out basically on, I think it's three different stone sheep hunts, his clients, and then uh, help out on some mountain goat hunts as well. And, and really just hang out and be away from self service for quite some time. Did you, have you hunted stone sheep before or, or no, bet, I, I mean, guided or been on those, those hunts? I, I've, yeah, I've been on a couple. Um, no, I've been on one, I guess actually a stone sheep um, or two thinking about it. Hmm. Uh, so yeah. And I, you know, I just like to be out there. So for me, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a good break that I need away from social media, away from really humanity in general to where we're dropped off and middle of nowhere backpack in. And I'm going to do that. I'll be up there for about five weeks. Wow. That'll be, that'd be great. (laughs) Um, I just have gained a new respect for, uh, those sheep. I, um, Call me. I'm sure I would. May I, I've said it before that I might be a part of the problem as well with uh, the shed hunting stuff. I am an antler buyer as well. I'm a. I buy and and rehome taxidermy, old collections, estates, uh, and I just picked up a guy's collection that has a stone sheep in it. That is, I measured it and it would be number four in the world. This thing is unreal, <laughs> absolutely unreal. It measures out at like 190 gross, uh, just a monster of a stone sheep, and uh, it, it probably won't ever go into the books because it's going to a new home that just is going to be enjoyed on the wall. And this thing is just ridiculous, <laughs> just ridiculous. Just a, uh, it's got that. I don't know if you're familiar with like the Chadwick ram, the stone mm-hmm. sheep. It's got that look exact same like the mass all the way through and uh he just does the chadwick ram had 40 or 50 and 51 inch beams and he stops at like 
45, 46, something like that. But just a, the most gorgeous thing ever. It's one of the coolest things I've bought. Um, but uh, someone else is going to go enjoy it because there's a lot of people that, that uh, don't get to go do that or um, be one of those tag holders. So they like, well, I've always wanted one. It's not going to happen. I'll buy one. <laughs> but just kind of a, a weird world I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for those that aren't familiar with the um, the, the the Chadwick Graham, um, I killed a mountain goat in that area. You know, that was killed in, I think, the 50s or something. It was a long time ago. Mm, I don't think that that sheep would probably ever fought a fight in its life that the the uh didn't look like it scuffed uh scuffed a horn um yeah. that ram will in my opinion never be beaten right that no and and it sounds like you know with obviously with with stones um you know you're just not uh just look up the chadwick it is unworld it doesn't even look it looks fake right mm-hmm. i mean it's just not you look at most stone sheep with like in anything thin horn they just don't get they're not giant and that chadwick ram is just unworldly yeah i don't like you're saying i don't think they're sheep out there that even come close anymore they're not even alive they're not there because you've got uh um it might have been 30s or the 40s that that one was was shot and then uh this one i have it's competing with the the ones from the 1970s is the last time that uh the number four would be shot and then it's just all 70s 80s they're it's all long ago that's a those those records won't be won't be broken i I totally agree with you kind of a crazy looking thing um okay uh next question for you is back to our hunting kind of with some pressure hunting these over-the-counter stuff and um thinking back to your your years of of doing that um if you had to narrow it down to three things, what three things would you contribute to being in that, in that percentage of people that, that can uh, be successful consistently? So we got 10% of people or 10% success rate. Let's just say, and you hear 10% of the people are in that 10% what three things are are those people doing that are that are being successful so i would say first you know time in the field and even though i was working construction back then um i don't mean time in the field just on the hunt i mean time in the field of scouting and and you know getting out there learning animal behavior so i would say when i say time in the field i'm not saying just being able to take 10 days off for a hunt just being in the field uh, which goes along the lines of the set. next one is knowing animal behavior. Um, so animal behavior and time in the field are one and the same, really, but they're two mm-hmm. different cat. Meaning, you look at Kenneth; uh, he works for me. Uh, a lot of he's like a little me back in the day. Like that's all he does. The moment he gets off work, drives straight out, backpack, backpacks in. Whether he's shed hunting, fishing, hunting, what I mean, duck hunting, hunting rabbits. I mean, he is out all the time, and so he is learning animal behavior, learning to be a better woodsman, things like that. And then obviously, again, those are one and the same. And one thing that nobody ever talks about is just hitting the damn animal, right? As, um, you know, you, you get into that whole situation, you get into animals, you've done your job, and then you, you miss the animal. Hitting the animal is, 
is pretty important and it's overlooked. I mean, everybody talks about shooting and things like that, but I mean, truly there are so many stories of, of, um, misses, right? And so once you're a good woodsman, you know, animal behavior, you got a little bit of time off, you know, you, you can't, you got to have the big package to be successful. So you have to be able to, you know, somewhat act under pressure, uh, or, or respond well under pressure with an animal in front of you. Huh. Hitting the animal time in the field. Got it. And yeah, time in the field and animal behavior. Yeah, for sure. No, I love the I love the hit in the animal. <laughs> well, uh, I, just, I had a guy, Bill Pellegrino. He he taught me how, a lot way twenty years ago, right? And uh, I had him on the podcast recently, and I mean, he had a four letter word thrown in there, but he was like, you know, you also have to hit the damn thing. And uh, you know, he owns a giant pro shop in Colorado Springs, and you know, he he had talked about like, you know, so many people forget the fact that. It's uh, it's almost like they're not even going to see one, and so the the chance of actually shooting at one or, or so slim, it's not really you know focused on. And you know, I it, I didn't really think about it as much until he said that, and I'm like, you know, he's he's got a very valid point. Like hitting the animal is obviously very important, and obviously you know that, but you definitely don't uh, doesn't get talked about as much. Yeah. Which, which is funny because we mess around with our gear, our bows, our arrows set up, all of that, all the time. I mean, that's the <laughs> center of the conversation. Um, and shooting at dots. And I was just thinking about that yesterday, shooting as, as man, I got to get off of shooting these dots. I need to be shooting shooting a 3D, something that looks like an animal, because it's well, not the same. Just doing this shooting class, the glassing camp we just had, it is so weird because people just think it's the actual shot. It's not just the shot. And that's one of the whole courses we had was, okay, the animal's here. All right, the animal's here. It's okay. Well, it's like, all right, if you're flat-footed and everything else and making that shot's easy, it's okay. What are the, you know, the different angles, the di- sneaking an arrow through, uh, you know, grass or, or, or like the um, – your feet are not always flat, right? And you may have an incredibly steep angled shot. You may have your one foot left, right? What You know, a lot of different scenarios. So when I say hitting the animal, people are like, oh, so of course. It's like, well, I run a lot of people through a lot of different training, and I'm telling you, it's way more complicated than it, than it sounds of just saying hitting the animal um, and, and putting yourself in those scenarios for the best success practicing, you know, different possibilities yeah i think of it almost like back in my day i watched my kids t-ball game last night and back playing little league and i remember you know you're pitching when you're practicing and you don't have a batter up there you can smoke the that that catcher's mitt all all day long but then when you have somebody step up to the plate there's suddenly that pressure there of um how do i get it back in that same spot so if there's like a tree there you're 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 so focused in on I don't want to hit the tree instead of I need to just put it in the pocket right where I need to be shooting. So there's that definite same kind of kind of pressure there. I would see. Um, the uh, so those folks that are looking at uh, and, and maybe uh, not having any any private land opportunities, they're looking at uh, our our OTC like hunts. 
and they're planning to deal with this this pressure and competing for spots. How, how what kind of advice would you give for people um, that have something planned right now, this season or next season, with with dealing with this pressure and trying to find um, places to hunt? What what advice would you throw at them? Um, man, that's a very a broad question, I, but I would I would true. say, yeah. Well, one, I mean. You know, if you, you know, there's still a lot of availability on public land, right? And in, in multiple different states. So there's still a lot of public land. Um, you know, thinking a little bit more outside of the box, maybe, you know, get finding a packer, right? I mean, you know, we're not all made of money. But as I say that, I know I made very stupid financial decisions, spending money on, on crap I probably didn't need that I could have spent money on a packer. Or um you know trespass fees um you know a packer for public land to get in for their trespass fees whether that be to walk across someone's land to get on public land or whatever thinking a little bit more outside the box um you know and then obviously instead of you know if if you're going to um if you're wanting to really go hunt elk um you know look at all of the different states and the all of the availability you know don't just get stuck i mean the thing with over the counter colorado was so nice was unlimited for out of state there was no thinking involved Mm -hmm. roll into walmart buy a tag and go well put in for let's say put in for a tag that you're pretty much guaranteed to draw look through those numbers there's mold go hunt has a uh, application process or or, or will help you eastman's does this or eastman's does the same thing look into it more dig into it i mean when when you when i when i some of my kenneth i'll use him for an example again i'm like hey man what'd you draw well he put in for tags everywhere right and 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 so he's going to be hunting a ton he is no different than anyone else and on a very moderate budget so just try to think outside of the box and put a lot of footwork in rather than you know saying in august you know i really want to go hunting out west Right. You kind of miss the boat as far as that goes. So I don't know if that answers your no, question. No, you get you get what you're going to pay for. <laughs> so yeah, and and what you plan for is is kind of what I'm summing up there. Um, the what do you what do you got going on, and what do you do in the summer summer months for as we're approaching summer here? Uh, what do you do in the summer to to scout? And I know for archery elk that might be a doable thing to go and find some elk and, and it might be in that similar habitat, but, uh, but you're going hunting in November. What can you do in September or in July, August that's, or June, July, that's going to, going to benefit you. What, what, what do you use the summer for? Uh, so I'm going to give two scenarios, one 15 years ago and one today. So 15 years ago, I didn't have multiple businesses and I didn't have a lot of money. So get, get your ass into the woods. And when I say that, meaning go hiking, go fishing, go summer scouting, I go just get outside and pay attention to what's around you. So, you know, literally it sounds so simple, but literally get some decent gear and get out in the woods and, if, if it's a tag that, you know, you're talking about, you have, get into that area, go hiking in that area, learn that area, learn where the water is, learn where to park, where to camp, learn whatever, get out there and, and do that. I mean, um, if you have no money, you probably have time. 
you know, and that's mm. not to say a guys like, well, I, I work a full time job. You got weekends. If you can drive out there, do that. Even if you can't go to where you're going to be hunting, it's too far and you can't afford fuel. Go to a spot you can go to close by and just get outside, get in shape, build your woods, woodsmanship, right? Get your field craft skills, get those up and then to shoot it practice shooting it shooting is generally free minus unless you lose all your arrows right practice shooting and then fitness like back then that's what i did i i still went to the gym but i just went outside because i could afford fuel and that's about all i could afford and it's like well you don't have to have backpacking food for everything buy ramen right buy tuna olive oil tuna buy whatever get outside get used to being uncomfortable get used to just being out when i say uncomfortable you're not sleeping in a bed get out there and get you know become friends with pain you'll never be alone just get out there and start to suffer hiking in you know just build yourself up as a better outdoorsman now i don't have as much time right meaning and my body i'm running on limited years right eventually my knees are going to blow out or whatever so i'm not going to I'm more focused now. I'm not just going. I have a very, I am very pinpoint now. Like I am not going hiking as much just to hike. Now I may hike in to go fishing, right? But I, I'm not going to go beat my body up for no reason. And so now I'm working on just staying in shape as much as I can, shooting, and then pinpointed, okay, I've got a tag in this area A, whatever that is. Um, I'm going to only go in there twice and maybe even once. And that one trip is going to be very important for me to document, you know, on a map where the water source, where the food source, you know, things like that. So it's very pinpointed now because I'm just trying to not put as many miles on me. But if you're on a moderate budget, get outside. Just go do something and try and stay in shape. And if you can get into your arrow area and scout it, just scout it until your legs fall off. I think that's really good advice. <laughs> that's a, I really, really enjoy that. So, um, the, speaking of just getting good gear, uh, what's Kafaru got in the works or what do you have in the works in your businesses that, uh, are, are new or exciting or, um, worth, worth sharing? Um, well, we, we have a lot going on. So we have, uh, the, the products everybody's seen we have new bino harness new pack uh you know we're we're bringing all the manufacturing as much as we can back in the office or the shop here in wyoming and then we bought an outfitting business my business partner up in canada uh, multiple um california bighorn mountain goat moose tags lynx lion bear so we're going to start uh promoting that more um some of the other things we're working on i can't talk about um, mm -hmm. i partnered up with born primitive clothing um i do a lot of classes and teaching work with the military as well uh, we have a new product that should be out in the next month month and a half we've been working on for a long time that uh, we're really excited about um in the, in the backpack side of things so man there's so much going on i can't even keep up but um yeah we're excited i mean we have a lot of things now that we've moved that we're able to do um that we just haven't haven't been able to and and we're excited about that I was just on Born Primitive's website the other day, yesterday, um, because my wilderness athlete subscription came in and in there was a $50 gift card. Like, geez, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Thanks for throwing that in for Born Primitive. So 
I got some money to spend over there and I don't even know it. I didn't, I didn't know much about them. I, I know you had promoted, uh, pants, but I hadn't connected, uh, that, that company was who you were promoting and whatever else. So, uh, just realize what that was. So I got to figure out what I want from them. I'm going to order something up. So that's a pretty cool deal. Um, the, uh, podcast, the outfitting and Kafaro. Um, I've got, uh, the, uh, what do I got? The shape charge. Got that back at the alpha bow hunting challenge a couple of years back. Uh, and that's kind of where I heard and learned a lot about your, your company and, and kind of what you you're about. So been kind of watching that ever since. So very cool. I appreciate the, the, the work that you do, the, uh, I, I really like your, your interviews. And if, um, you want to hear some good stuff going on over to uh, Kafaro cast and check that out. Uh, I also enjoyed your episode on with, uh, Josh Bomar. I know that was a contentious one and one that was, uh, probably had to put a lot of thought into before, for doing and how to construct that interview. Um, but that was an interesting one for sure. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, I still ended up on a bunch of hate pages <laughs> for doing it, I, uh, which is, it's, it's, it, you know, it is what it is, right? I mean, you get into the more known you are, the more goods and bads you both get. But I, I think, uh, you know, with that podcast, like, I just wanted to ask him questions mm-hmm. that everyone was asking me. And I was as forthcoming as I could. I was I'm friends with Josh. I've only met him a couple of times, but I'm, I'm friends with him. And all right, here's the, you know, it was awkward for me asking him those questions. Most yeah. were just yeah. sent in, but you know, the, the whole due process and, and everything and, and, uh, you know, having your day in court and, and, uh, you know, it's just, it doesn't work the way that you, the American dream. And I'm not, this doesn't have to do anything with Josh. Just, you brought that up of, you are not innocent until proven guilty. You are very guilty until proven innocent. And the court of public opinion is far more powerful than the actual, um, the, the actual court or the, the process you go through. So it was an eye opener for me. Um, I've had a few different people on the podcast that have, um, big Chino outfitters. They shot an antelope, um, from this, you know, the story, you know, was there more to the story than I got? Who knows? Right. But they jumped out of a truck, shot an antelope, something that I thought was totally legal. Um, you know, when I say whatever, you know, jump in the ditch, shot the antelope. Um, I, I have had multiple people, you know, especially haters say that I promote poaching. I think what people need to understand is I promote information and what better way to get information than somebody that's pled guilty from doing something wrong and didn't necessarily mean to. It's not like I'm getting people on that have, you know, shooting shit in the headlights, right? It's like I have jumped right. out of a truck many times and shot at something. I've done that, right? We all sure. have at one yep. time or another. Uh, whether it's a pheasant or a deer. Right. And it's like, hey, everyone, they got in trouble for this. Think hard, right? Like cover your bases, make sure you read all the laws. And anytime there's a gray area, do not push that boundary. And with Josh is different. It's totally, you know, his situation was totally different. But dude, I mean, I'm a target, right? Like people, I mean, people would love for me to screw up. 
So I have to pay very close attention to what I do because I will jump out of a truck and shoot at something, you know, obviously within reason. So, yeah, there's some crazy, crazy things that go on in the outdoor community. And, and, uh, you know, it's something that I can't wait, honestly, to get out of. Um, You know, I can't wait to hide. And so, like, I'm going to B.C. That's like practice for my early retirement away from (laughs) of the public. So, um, well, as much as I like helping people, you know, it, it, it will be nice to take a break. Yeah, no, I, thanks for doing that interview. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was well done. So I appreciate that very much. And, um, it, it, I think it's, I think it's ignorant to try and block that stuff out. Um, I, I think we're intelligent enough to be able to absorb information and then do what we want with it. It's not, and I feel like that's what you were doing there is, okay, let's get some more information and let's figure out, you use it how you want to use it. And I got just a touch of crap the other day too, just about um, mentioning something about Matt Ranella's stuff and and getting, getting some crap about, oh, you're listening to that. You don't, no, I am intelligent enough to be able to, hear that decipher it know what i agree with what i do not agree with and move on if we block out both sides and don't hear these arguments and we're not we're not educated we're not going to be able to hear um hear these different viewpoints and we can't i I think that makes us a a better better more informed hunter as decisions are made yeah no i agree i mean and obviously as you i get older grow up whatever learn you know, become a better human, try to become a better human and be more open-minded. It's like, I don't agree with whether that be, we're talking about uh, the current political status of the world, you know, like, but I listen, I pay attention so I can make an educated decision. And that doesn't mean I only listen to far right, uh, right wing um, opinions, right? You want to listen to both and then gather your thoughts and make your own decision. And so I'm, I'm trying to be better at that. And I, I hope that at times I'm helping people do that as well. As hard as that left wing idea is to hear. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's <laughs> uh, pretty rough. So, uh, anyway, Aaron, I appreciate your time and, uh, uh chatting with me and, um, uh, we're all a little all over the place, but I don't think we were, I think there was a lot of great learning points and, and a lot of things in, in this episode. So I appreciate your time and, uh, I, I look forward to, Seeing, uh, I, I know it's it's putting it out there on Instagram, but but you, you've got a lot of cool things, and and I like seeing it, I like hearing it. Um, so appreciate what you do for the the hunting community and and um, um, the the motivation really that also you you give us as hunters. So appreciate your time on this, and and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. You bet. This is God's country. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.